All right, we're going to get started. We're in part three of our current series on a revelation, a revelation of love. This really is something that we need, it needs to be revealed to us. And it's because when we were in Sunday school, we were taught to sing songs like, Jesus loves me, yes I know, for the Bible tells me so. But for some reason, when we graduate to being a mature Christian, an adult Christian, we start change that song around and we start singing songs like, Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Or Jesus, lover of my soul. Jesus, I will never let you go. Come on. How many times throughout the day do we let Jesus go? You know, he never lets us go. And that, that's, that's the good news. The good news is, is that Jesus loves us. God loves us. The good news is, is that on the cross, to his enemies, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They didn't have a revelation of the Father's love. They didn't understand how much God loved them and, and who Jesus was and why he came for them. See, we, we, when we, we become a mature Christian, it becomes all about what we, we must do. It becomes all about now we need to prove to God how much we love him. Do this, do that, to prove that you love God. We talk about the greatest commandment, that to love thy Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, and with all their mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. How can you honestly preach that, that and expect people to live up to it. No one has ever lived up to it. Let alone loving God with all of our being. Just take it to the second one, loving your neighbor as yourself. I think John, John says that how can you say that you love God when you, who you have not seen when you do not love your brother who you have seen? And this whole understanding of the love of God and the revelation of God's love is that once you realize how much God loves you, once you're filled with the love of God, it just naturally spills over in your life to love others, to love God more, to love God more. John 3.16 in the voice translation, it says, For God expressed his love for the world in this way. He gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not face everlasting destruction, but will have everlasting life. What was the reason? What was the reason that God gave his son? Not to destroy you. See, we have this idea that God really wants to send people to hell. And just to be a good God, to be bad cop, good cop, bad cop, Jesus says, let me go and take their place for, for them. I'll take the place for them. But really, God really wanted to send you to hell. But Jesus loved you, but the Father, he didn't really have any use for you. And what that does is that says that you don't believe in the Trinity. You don't believe that Jesus was God. No, it says that God expressed 
His love, God the Father, expresses His love for us by sending His Son so you would not have to be destroyed, but have everlasting life. He came and rescued us. He was, the reason why Jesus came was an expression of the Father's great love. John 17, 3, Jesus says, and this is eternal life. This is why Jesus came, right? That we might have everlasting life, eternal life. And what is eternal life? Eternal life is that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To know this God that expressed himself by giving himself for his enemies. To know this God that is love. In Ephesians 3, 14 and 16 in the Amplified, it says, For this reason, seeing the greatness of, his, of this plan by which you were built together in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that the Father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and drives its name. May he grant you out of the rich, rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced by his might, by his mighty power in the inner man, by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. Verse 17, may Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, and make his permanent home in your hearts. And how is that done? By believing it. By believing it. Not by what you do, just believe in your hearts, may you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. Rooted. Rooted. I'm telling you, when you're rooted, a tree that's rooted deep, have deep roots. When a storm blows, they're secure. A tree that doesn't have deep roots, when the winds blow, they go over. And what are we supposed to be rooted in? We're supposed to be rooted in the love of the Father. Deep, rooted, and grounded. That's your, that's your bedrock that you're, that you're in. Verse 18, that you may have the power and be strong to up, apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and the length, the height and the depth of it? that you may really come to know practically through experience yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Himself. What this scripture is saying here is saying if, if you have never experienced the love of God, you're missing out. You can't be rooted and grounded in the love of God without ever experiencing it. It can't be just a religious thing. It can't be just, you know, yeah, Jesus loves me. I know it. It has to go far past that, and it has to become an experience. Like I said last week, I know I've experienced God's love for me. I know that he loves me. I know biblically 
that it says he loves you, but I don't know for sure if he loves you because I haven't experienced his love for you. But I know how much he loves me. And you're, so you're sitting here saying, you know, I want to know. I want to experience God's love. How does that happen? It happens through intimacy. It happens through communion. It comes through fellowship, through knowing him. He's a person. You have to build a relationship with him. Just like when you were dating. Right? You build that relationship. You spend time together. You talk about things. You get to know one another. And even when the storms of life come, a relationship that's built on love and communication and oneness and security doesn't topple over very easy because you love one another. And it's the same thing with God. We need to be in that bedrock of his love for us. We need to spend time in communion and relationship with him so that we might be able to comprehend, experience it. And when you experience it, it says that your whole body will be filled and flooded with God himself, who is love. That's, that's amazing. Verse 20, Now to him who by consequence of the action of his power that is in work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Think about that. If you're reading that right now and that's hard for you to believe, that God wants to super abundantly do above everything you could ever ask, hope, or dream, it's because you don't know how much he loves you. If someone loved you more than themselves, someone was totally for you, and he was almighty God, there's nothing you, can, you cannot do. He's totally for you. But fear holds us back. And as we're going to learn today, fear comes from not being perfected in love. God wants to do far above, super abundantly far above, all that we would dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Why? Verse 21, to him be glory in the church. God gets glory from this. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So be it. Amen. So be it. I want that in my life. 1 Corinthians 4.1 in the Amplified. It says, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your greatest quest. 1 Corinthians 14.1 is right after 1 Corinthians 13. And what's 1 Corinthians 13? If you've ever been to a wedding, you know that's the love chapter. And we're going to look at this next week because, because we, we read 1 Corinthians 13 as something we must do. That this is, this is what love looks like, now you do it. And that's not what Paul was saying at all. He's saying that God is love. And this is what love looks like. 
So this is what God looks like. And then he goes into verse 1 of the next chapter and says, Eagerly pursue and seek and acquire this love. Make it your aim, your greatest quest. That's eternal life. To know the love of God. To know the nature of God. Seek after this love. To know God who is love. To experience it and be filled with the greatness and the fullness of that love. We, we got this thing totally backwards. We read the whole Bible still looking for what we must do instead of looking at what God has done. What God has done. It has nothing to do about you, but it has everything to do about you. You understand that? His whole plan was for you. But it had nothing for you to do in it. But just, just embrace it and re receive it. It's awesome. It's awesome, this love. Perfected in love. How can you know if you know and believe the love of God? We looked at this last week, didn't we? How can you know that you believe, not just know, head knowledge, but believe the love of God? How can you know if you've been rooted in this love? How can you be assured his love has been perfected in you? How can you know that? 1 John 4, 16, 17 tells us, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in, in love abides in God, and God in him. Look at that. If, if you don't understand that God is love, if you don't know the God of love, you're worshiping a false God. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this. How can we know that love has been perfected among us? How, how can we know that love has been perfected in us? This is how you can know. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. This is how you know that you know. That you know that you know. That God loves you. This is how you can be convinced that God's love for you. You can know that you're convinced that God loves you. That you'll have boldness in the day of judgment. In the day of judgment. This, this, is, this is talking about the daily life of judgment. But it's also talking about that day you stand before Almighty God. That there is no fear to stand before God. Because you've been perfected in love. You know that he loves you. You know his anger and his wrath come from love. And we're going to talk about this. Because this is where people get all confused. They say, well, if God's loving all this, what about all his wrath and his anger? When you know, see, when you know that God loves you, I, I love the wrath of God. Why? Because it comes from love. And if you're a father, you understand that. There's sometimes you get angry. There's sometimes you have wrath. And it has nothing to do with your hatred for that child, but for the things that are looking to rob, kill, and destroy in their life. And what happens is, if you're not careful as a father, 
and you do not understand, don't portray your wrath and your anger in love, they can think that you hate them. And that's what the church has done. The church has taken the wrath and anger of God and taken it out of love, in the context of love, and the whole, not the whole world, but the majority of people think that God hates them, that God's looking to destroy them. And Jesus says, I have come to give them life, and life to the full. You understand that? This ain't the message we're supposed to preach today, but how can you begin convinced? You don't fear judgment. You don't fear God. When bad things happen in your life, you don't think it's God. Why? Because he loves you. In the day of judgment, you have boldness. And it says, because as he is, so are we in this world. Because, because of what Jesus Christ has done, because of his great love for us, we, God sees us in Christ. And the question is, do you see yourself in Christ? Does God hate Jesus? Is God angry at Jesus? Is God displeased at Jesus? And we talked about this, but we got to... <laughs> This is something we've got to renew our minds to. As he is, so are you in this world. God is totally for Jesus. And God is totally for you. And if you understand this great love for you, and you understand how much God loves Jesus, you understand how much he loves you. Perfect love casts out fear. See, if you're not perfected, we just talked about what perfected love looks like. There's fear of torment. There's fear of judgment. But when, you're, when perfect love, perfected love, when someone that loves you perfectly, there is no fear in that. As we looked at in our, in our cares groups this week, we, we looked at the fear of the Lord. Well, we realize that as our relationship grows with God, we realize that this all-powerful, almighty, magnificent God who is holy, righteous, and pure, loves us. And if we fear God, we have nothing else to fear because he's for us. Perfect love casts out fear. John, 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. What do you fear today? The economy, your, your, your relationships, your marriages, your children, your health. What, where, what do you fear? Being rooted and grounded in the love of God casts out fear. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. This isn't talking about you trying to love perfectly. We don't have perfect love to love perfectly. The only perfect love that we have in us is the love of God. Because fear involves torment. Some people are tormented. They are so filled with anxiety and worry and dread. And it's killing us. I mean, even medical science will tell you that one of the leading causes of sickness and disease is stress and anxiety and worry. Your body was not designed to have the cares of the world on it. Your body was not designed for you to be your own God. 
It wasn't designed for that. It was designed to be stress-free, worry-free, rooted and grounded in the love of God. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. If we fear, if we have anxiety, if we, if we dread, it's just, it's just a sign that, you know what? I don't have a revelation of how much God loves me. Isn't that, is that, that's so much better than saying, you know what? I need to love God more. Because all we get, uh, once you realize that, you know what? I'm worrying, I anxi- have anxiety, I have fear because I don't know how much God loves me. And so you get to spend time seeking out in communion with God how much he loves you. Just let him love you. Have you been doing that? Have you, have you been doing that this week? Have, have you woke up in the morning and say, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. Jesus loves me. Looking in the mirror, there's a person that the Father loves. And as, he, as Jesus says, so am I in this world. Have you been con- trying to convince your heart, renew your mind to the love of the Father in your life? Because we really have to do this. Because we don't, we don't, the world's love isn't the way the Father loves. The world's love is you do good to me and then I'll love you back. But as soon as you don't meet my needs, as soon as you don't love me, love me, as soon as you don't uh, satisfy me, then I just throw you out like yesterday's newspaper. God isn't that way. God isn't that way. We, we think of God I mean, the way that we have experienced love in our, in our, in our own lives is, is through pain. How many relationships, there's abuse in it, either physical or verbal. And when it's all done, the dust settles, they say, you know, the, the only reason I do this is because I love you. The only reason I do this is because I love you. And, and we have this perverted idea of what love is. Look how the Living Bible puts this. Verse 18. We need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. If we are afraid, it is for fear of what he might do to us and shows that we are not fully convinced that he really loves us. We have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. God loves you perfectly. If we fear what God might do to us, it shows that we do not believe he truly loves us. Do you believe the love of God? We go through life thinking that God's out to get us. And as we're going to see today, that from the beginning of time, he's loved us. He's, not, he's for you. It's just amazing that we have to convince church people that God loves them and God's for them. But we do. So many people are afraid of what God Afraid of God for so many different reasons. This is why they stay away from God. This has not changed. Ever since we wanted to be God separate from him, we've hid ourselves. From the Garden of Eden, 
They hid from God. Humanity has always tried to hide from God. They tried to make up other gods in their own image that they could please through their own twisted, perverted ways of worshiping. We tried to say God is dead and he no longer exists. But deep down in our hearts, we know that he's there. And we know that one day we will stand before him. You can't get away from the love of the God. So many fear his wrath and his anger instead of trusting his unfailing, everlasting love. Because we preach that. We preach the wrath of God. We preach the fear of God. We preach that God's out to get you. If you don't tithe, he's going he's to get it from you somehow. You're going to lose your job. Your car's going to break down. Your crops are going to burn, whatever, whatever they would tell you. That God's out to get you. He's not out to get you. Tithing is an act of faith. You do it because you trust that he's your provider. And by acting in faith, it builds, it builds protection around you. From who? The enemy that's come to rob, kill, and destroy. It's not God that does that stuff. Everything that God has given, said to us, is for our benefit. See, that's why we, so many people look at, look at even the law was for, for the benefit of the people. So that it might go well with them. I mean, can any of us say that the Ten Commandments are evil or terrible, and if the whole world kept the Ten Commandments, that it would be a worse place to live? No, it was for people. But the problem is that people couldn't keep it. They're not able to keep it. But now we are because we have his spirit within us. Everything that God does is out of his love for us. So many people don't want to come to church. Why? Because they think that God's against them. That God doesn't want nothing to do with them. They know who they are. They know their sin. They know what they've done. And they think that if God had it his way, he'd just wipe them out. So if they can just hide long enough, they can make it through life. The lack of understanding of the true nature of God, who is love, causes many Christians from not totally trusting God with their lives. We don't go to God for decisions. We don't talk to him. We don't ask him, to, as Shannon said today, to be led by the voice of God, the spirit of God. Why? Because we think we know better and God's not really for my best interest. There's a lot of good things that we settle for in life that weren't God things. They look good on the outside, but it wasn't, God, it wasn't a God thing. And we settle, and God wants to do super abundantly, more than we could ever ask or dream. Fear has torment. The Greek word for torment literally means dread or ex- expectation of judgment. And this is how a lot of Christians go through their life. They're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, life's going pretty good, but, you know, God's going to have to, might have to do something to make me humble or teach me patience. God might have to do something to strengthen my faith. And we walk in, our whole Christian life is walking on eggshells because we think we got this angry father that we're not sure what kind of mood he's in today. 
And we, and we go through life through fear. And because of that, we don't totally trust him with our entire lives. The love of God is the foundation of everything. You've got to realize this. The Ten Commandments isn't the foundation of, of the church. It's God's love. God's love is the foundation of everything in life. Look at this. 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. When did God love you? When you started going to church, when you started cleaning yourself up, when you got all your ducks in a row? When did God love you? He loved you way before you even thought about loving him. The love of God is the foundation of everything in the Bible. The love of God is the beginning, the middle, the end of the entire Christian life. We're supposed to be rooted and grounded in his love. That's why Paul said that we needed to be rooted and grounded in love. It's the bedrock. It's it's the foundation of everything that God does is he's moved by love. So are we established in the love of God? Established in the love of God. So many people think of this statement, being established in God's love. We think it's something that we must do. We need to establish, be established in God's love, and we need to love God and love others. We need to walk in the love of God. Loving others can only be accomplished if we know and believe the love that God has for us. Or as I've heard it said, only when we will allow ourselves to be loved by God are we starting to walk in his love. Only when you allow yourself to be loved by God. See, it's hard, it's hard to allow yourself to be loved. It's the same thing in relationships. Someone can do something so bad in a relationship that even if the other party in the relationship totally forgives them, and acts as if it has never happened because of the person refusing to allow that person to love them again. That relationship can never be healed. It's because we're so self-focused on what we have done. We, we can't understand a love that loves us in spite of everything we've done. In spite of everything we've done. I got news for you. God already knows everything that you've ever done. Even the things that are in the closet, even the the secret things, God knows all about it, and he loves you. And the only thing that's going to free you from those things that you're ashamed of is his love. Letting him love you in in spite of yourself, in spite of yourself. This is the whole reason Jesus came, to show us the Father's love. Do you realize that? Jesus came to show us the Father's love. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We think, we hear it preached, we think the reason why Jesus came, we, the reason why, is God really wants to condemn the world. He wants to send you to hell. And the cross is him screaming at the top of his lungs how much he loves us. That there is no condemnation. That he desires for you to embrace his love, to come into his family. This is the love of the Father. God's love is not based on our performance. When was Jesus sent into the world? When the world finally got straightened up good enough? 
No, it's not based on your performance. The love of God has nothing to do with your performance. He loves you in spite of everything. And all we have to do is believe it, embrace it, receive it. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This demonstration of the Father's love happened while you were in your sin. While you were sinners, Christ died for us. Look how the voice puts it. But think about this. While we were wasting our lives in sin, God revealed his powerful love to us. In a tangible display, the anointed one died for us. The gospel proclaims the eternal truth that God is for mankind. That God is for us. The birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus is a spiritual, physical, and emotional demonstration of God's love for us. His whole life was to show the fervent love of God for humanity. How can, you ever, how can you ever doubt God's love for you? To, to, to doubt God's love for you is to make the sacrifice of Christ little. To doubt God's life, love for you, you don't really understand the extent that he went for you. That God himself became a man, put on clothing and the limitations of humanity dwelt among men and then allowed his creation to execute him. What, I've said this many times, but what kind, of, I, what kind of God does that? That just makes my head spin. It doesn't make sense. It takes faith to believe that a God would do that. How can we ever doubt God's love? So the question is, is how much does God love Jesus? If we, if we were all sitting here this, today, we think, you know, I, I think God is really passionately in love with Jesus. I, I think that if Jesus prayed for anything, I think God would answer his prayer. I think that, that God would be totally for Jesus Christ. But I'm not sure where I line up in that pecking order. You know, I, I think God really likes Billy Graham. I think he loves Billy Graham or Kenneth Copeland or Andrew Walmack or the Pope or whoever, whoever it is. He really loves them, but I'm not sure. And we start comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. I'm not sure how much God loves me. Look at what Jesus says. In John 17, through 23, he says, And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me. See, what you don't understand, we don't understand what this adoption meant. And this is a whole other message. But we've been adopted into God. We are in him. And he is in us. 
We are one with God. We are a family with God. And there was a family that existed before humanity ever came on the scene. Do you realize that? There was a family that God was never alone. He's a trinity. God's a trinity. He has the Father. He has the Son. He has the Spirit. And they were a family that loved each other. And for the same reason we have children, we love a man and a woman come together and they love each other and they say, we need to share this love with someone. And we have children. This adoption that we are in him. Do you realize that Jesus is still a resurrected, re- resurrected man? That there's a man in the Trinity? And we are in him and he is in us? That's amazing to think about. That's amazing, the love of the Father, that he would be willing to bring us into his very self. We're not separate from God. We're not separate from God. That's crazy to think about. Look at this. We are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Where are you in the pecking order of God's love? You're right up there with Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe? Jesus said it. Jesus says that the Father, that God Almighty, loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Do you know, you know what's even crazier? Is that when you were drunk on a bar stool, God loved you as much as he loved Jesus. When you were in perversion, when you were doing, lying, cheating, stealing, whatever you were doing, God loved you as much as he loves Jesus. What an awesome message that we get to pro- proclaim. Verse 24, Father, this is Jesus praying, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you. The world has not known God until Jesus brought that knowledge of who he is, the representation. This is what God is like. God is like a man dying on the cross for his enemies. That's the true nature of God. I don't care what scripture you pull up from the Old Testament, that was looking through a glass very, very darkly. That wasn't his nature. His nature is Jesus Christ. I can't believe how many people will go through the Bible trying to prove that God don't love you. That's amazing to me. And the reason why they do it is because of control and manipulation. If they can make you feel, almost said a bad word, but make you feel 
like junk, then you are dependent on them because they're higher than you are. God loves, God loves us. And look what he says. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you have sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love which you, with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. This love that God had for, for Jesus, that it might be in them, that he has loved us just as much as he has loved Jesus. Jesus says he wants the world to know that God loves them as he loves the Son. How does the Father love the Son? He tells us, Jesus said that the Father loved the Son before the world began. Do you understand that? This just came to me, and I don't know how to articulate it, but Think about something. In you, when you have a child, all of a sudden there is a flow of emotion and love. For me, I, I was transformed like that. I was totally, my whole life changed. The reason I was in living, the things that I did changed in a blink of an eye. There was a love in me that I didn't know existed. So you can love something before it ever exists because that love was in there. Jesus said that the Father loved the Son before the world ever existed. And if God loves us the same way that he loves Jesus, do you realize that God loved you before you ever existed? And if God loved you before you ever existed, how can his love be determined by your actions? How can your love, or how can his love be determined by your actions? God loved you before Adam ever committed high treason and sinned against God. God loved. He created them to love them. He loved them before they committed treason, before sin ever entered the world, before you ever did all those things that you're now ashamed of. He loved you. He didn't love you when you started coming to Karis New Testament Church. He didn't love you when you made all those promises to him that you kind of kept. He loved you before you ever existed. He had a plan, a destiny, a desire for you. We were birthed out of that love of the Trinity. We were birthed out of that. The whole creation was an expression of his love. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to express the Father's love for us. Because we, because of our sin, because of our looking at self-centeredness and looking at ourselves, we couldn't really embrace the Father's love. We needed to have our minds renewed to the love of God. Romans 5, 6 through 8, in the Amplified, it says, While we were yet in weakness, powerless to help ourselves, at the fitting time Christ died for 
for in behalf of the ungodly. The ungodly. God loved the ungodly. <laughs> That's amazing to think, isn't it? Because as far as last time I checked, the unga- it was us and them. We're the good guys, and everybody else that aren't Christians, they're the ungodly. God loves us, but they're the ungodly. No, God loves the ungodly. We might not love them, but God loves them. God loves the ungodly. Christ came for the ungodly. I was ungodly once. I know some of you have been perfect all your lives, but that's not my testimony. I was ungodly. And don't lose, don't, don't forget that. That without Christ, you're ungodly. And God loves you. Even in your ungodliness. He loves you. Now it is an extor- extor- ex- extraordinary, whatever, thing for one to give his life even for an upright man. Though perhaps for a noble or a lovable or generous benefactor, someone might even dare to die. But God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for us. Died for us. From the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He demonstrated his great love for you. When you become convinced, persuaded in your heart that he loves you perfectly, then you have no fear that he would ever do anything bad to you. Our whole relationship with God is based on understanding how much he loves us. If you don't really, you will be hindered in your Christian life if you are not convinced that God loves you and that he's for you. If you really think that God's going to do something bad to you, why would you want to hang out with someone like that? You won't. You might, out of fear, be obedient. You might t- tell God you love him out of obedience because you're afraid of what he might do to you. But are you experiencing the Father's love? You're not experiencing the Father's love. It's fear. It's torment. It's dread. Do you know how many Christians, forget about the world, how many Christians live their life in fear and dread and torment of God? That's a horrible way to live. Hebrews 4.16 Let us then fearlessly, confidently, and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just as when we need it. What this is saying is when you understand how much God loves you and you find yourself doing something ungodly, when you find yourself sinning, that we no longer need to run like Adam and Eve did. We don't need to hide ourselves in the bushes. 
But we can boldly and fearlessly run to the throne of God's grace, his unmerited favor, and help find help in our time of need. That's awesome. When is your time of need? The time of need is when you have sinned. Your time of need. When do you need to run to his throne of grace and find mercy? It's when you screwed up. But that's not how we do it. We, we think we got to get our ducks in a row. We screw up and we stay away from church for a little bit or, or we stay away from God for a little bit or, or maybe we're really religious and we just serve more. And if we serve more, then maybe we can get back into the good graces of God. See, God, I proved that I loved you. I know I did that, but, I, that, but look at all this. The balance, it has to be outweighing itself now. No, he, he loved you right when you were in your sin. And he just wanted, all of you know this as fathers and mothers. You, you know that. You, you really wish that when your child was in the midst of something terrible, that, you, that they would know that you love them enough that they can run to you without fear of dread or torment. And that you would rescue them. Where do you think that comes from? That's the heart of the Father. And I know some of, I know some, I know some of us have, have not had the perfect fathers. We haven't had the perfect earthly mothers. But we know that this is right. You know that's what you wish they did. It comes from, the, from God. Perfect love casts out fear. If you really have been perfected in the love of God and the one that loves you perfectly, there is no fear. Even when you screw up. If you know he loves you, then you can run to him in your failures instead of running from him. And that's what we've all done. We've all been there. Trying to hide from God, running from God. It's because we're not perfected in love. A place in love. Do you realize that you have a place in love? Look at, look at this. We've seen, we've seen, we've seen that... God loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. And I know that kind of made your whole head go tilt. And, you know, I don't know if I can really believe that, but you got to because Jesus said it. Just embrace it by faith. Do that one every morning. God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. You know how many people would think that, how dare you say something? So proud. Who do you think you are? That's because they're not perfected in love. See, pride, really pride is saying that God doesn't love me. That God doesn't care about me. Because you're being dependent on yourself. Humility is saying, you know what? I really can't understand this. I wouldn't love me. But you know what? 
Jesus said that God loves me, and he loves me as much as he loves Jesus, so I'm going to believe that. I'm going I'm to build my life upon that truth. Rather than the truth that says that God doesn't love me, that he, he's not for me, that he's out to get me, I want to build my life on the truth that God loves me. He loves me so much that he loves me as much as Jesus, and I've been adopted and brought into the family of God. I'm his child. But there's a place, there's a place in God's love. For you, John 14, 1 through 2 in that flight, it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled, distressed, agitated. Sounds like fear and anxiety, doesn't it? You believed in and adhere to, to and trust and rely on God. Believe in, adhere to, and trust and rely on, also on me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places, homes. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I am going away to prepare a place for you. Do you know when Jesus said this? Jesus made this statement after he said that Judas was going to betray him. After he told all the disciples tonight, all of you will forsake me. After he told Peter that he would deny him three times. Do you know, I believe this with all my heart because I know the love of God, that I believe that there's a dwelling place in God for every single human that has ever walked this earth. You want to know why? Because he loves them. Will every single one be filled? Only God knows. Will every single one embrace his love? Only God knows. But I believe with all my heart that doesn't stop from God from building because he loved every single one of them from the foundation of the earth and he has faith in that love and he has faith in each one of us that he loves us. And that, that GPS signal, sooner or later, will come home and find our place in love. Even when Jesus knew that every single one of his disciples would leave him, that one would betray him unto death, another one would totally forsake him and deny his relationship with him, Jesus still declared to them, even despite you might lose all hope in me, even though you might think that all is lost, even though that you might get to a point where you're thinking, how can God ever love me? How could Jesus ever love me? You know what? I'm still going and preparing a place for you because I love you. And know that this morning. Know this, this morning that Jesus prepared a place for you in him from the foundation of the earth. Before the world ever existed, he had a plan for you. And his plan for him was for him to manifest his love in your life. And yeah, we live in a pretty crummy world. And sometimes it's hard to see the love of God. And sometimes we get our eyes off the love of God. Sometimes we get our eyes off our, on our own things. And sometimes it, the world can convince us that God doesn't love us. But that's not the truth. He's preparing a place for you so that where he is, you might be also. Amen. So don't wait. 
Don't wait to let God love you. There's so many people that are waiting before they'll actually let God love them, let God in. They think they have to do a bunch of good works. They think they have to clean their act up. They think they, think they got to stop smoking. They think they got to stop drinking. They think they got to stop their sexual perversion. They think they got to look like a good little Christian before they'll let God love them. And the only one that's missing out is them. Because God loved them before they even thought about God. Before they even thought about getting their ducks in a row. Before they even thought about cleaning themselves up. Before they had any thought about God. When they wanted nothing to do with God. And were going completely in the other direction. God's heart, his passion, his love, his preparation for a place for them was going on. So don't wait to let God love you. Wake up in the morning. Go through the day practicing the presence of God in your life. That I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. And he has loved me before the world ever existed. He has a plan. He has a purpose for me. And he is preparing a place for me that I might be established and experience his fervent love for me throughout all time. And that's eternal life. Convince yourself of the Father's love. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved highly favored and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.